This is Marketing Today from Melbourne, Australia, your number one podcast for news and commentary on some of today's top marketing stories. Now, here's your host, Peter Wagstaff. Welcome back, everyone, to Marketing Today podcast episode number 92. Wags here with Cole on the couch. G'day, Wags. G'day, everybody. Good to have you back again, Cole. A couple of weeks since the last episode, we told people we'd uh, we'd keep this regular, and here we are. Well, we're yeah, cranking it up again because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. There is a lot of interesting stuff, and let's get straight into it now. We've had some um, feedback. In fact, it's not necessarily feedback, but it's a suggestion on a topic from a listener. Peter sent us this email um, from the Business Spectator, and I think you had a chance to read this yes. as well, Cole. Yeah, th- th- it, was, it was interesting, wasn't it? So the, the article is titled Coffee, Tea or Me, and it's uh, related to the airline industry as you, as you would yeah yeah coffee tea I'm well it's the standard question that the uh, flight attendants are asking coffee or tea coffee or tea but they're now mm-hmm. asking coffee tea or me this article is all about the way in which airlines use sex to sell Okay, political correctness saw marketers move away from the sexy strategy in the 90s as airlines started to focus on the food they sold or their destinations. Now we're yeah, moving we're back to the old stereotypes. Look what Richard Branson is doing with Virgin. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't move away all that long, for all that long. I mean, Singapore girl, you're a great way to fly. Oh, yes, what was was I remember was, that was, very was well. yeah it was it was big in the 1970s and the 1980s yes. before a lot of the listeners to this podcast were born. But they're, they're back doing it again. They are, but it, even the conservative airlines are doing it. Did you see the Air New Zealand? Well, Singapore, the Singapore Airlines is pretty conservative. I guess so. Air yeah. New Zealand as well. They had yeah. the, uh, the the naked flight attendants and the naked pilots. Yes, painted, body painted. Yeah. W- what's with this? I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I do quite a bit of flying internationally, and I have to say, I don't know if it's me or if everybody else is <laughs> is having much more fun on airline flights than I am. But frankly, I've never really felt. Yeah, airlines are not particularly sexy places to be, are they? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, sex is fun, and flying in the economy class internationally simply is not. No, um, very, it's uncomfortable, it's cramped, it's smelly, it's... Yeah. The, the ambiance is r- hardly right for sex, is well, it? Well, it, 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 it's, it's not a romantic... Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I mean, I genuinely don't understand it. it it's the... Uh, I mean... Yes, of course. I mean, sex attracts attention. Yeah. But, but I mean, and for that reason, sex has been used in advertising for so long. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. The, the, the link between gaining attention and actually successfully selling is yeah. dubious in many well, cases. But yeah. then again, a lot of the decisions we make are based on a, a hazy brand preference that's come about through some... Some strange connection, whether it be a, an ad which featured sex, I wonder. Are we that primitive, the way we think and the way we behave? Well, so, uh, so many of the, um, uh, of the ad agencies would think, because, I mean, it depends what you measure. If, if, if you're measuring awareness, mm-hmm. then, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it, it's like the um, you know, the Australia where the bloody hell are you ads from a year or two, uh, year eighteen months ago uh, with uh, Lara Bingle. Yeah, yeah, it was early last year. Yeah, yeah, mm. it raised awareness a great deal, but as best we could tell, actually had a negative effect on tourism to Australia mm. because inquiry at uh, at Australian tourist offices mm-hmm. in the United States and in Europe actually went down after those uh, those ads were. 
were, were broadcast, a rolled gold disaster in the, in the words of our Prime Minister who should know about such things. Yeah. Now, speaking of tourism, remember the last podcast we spoke about the US tourism and their, yeah. their levy on their non-visas that they're yes. charging? Yeah. That appeared in the Age newspaper about five days after our podcast came out. Well, I'm glad to see that the Age are uh, following our lead there. And listening to us. Yeah, good on you. Hello, people from the Age. Um, now... So, so is it, is it appropriate? Should airlines be doing this? Now, Richard Branson's been doing it always. I mean, Virgin has always um, prided itself on um, our flight attendants are sexier than all the others. Choose us for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, is that appropriate? Is, is it, does it work? Well, would you choose an airline based on how hot the flight attendants are? Um, frankly... No, not really, because no, <laughs> there's not a lot you can do about it, is there? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. Look, when I'm sitting on a plane for a long time, I've generally got work or some work to do, or catching up with sleep or something by myself. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is no point. I don't want to be distracted by some fake. Yeah. Well, this is entirely fake. Well, this article that Peter sent through to us, there's a, a great little example in here. This is from Business Spectator. Great little example of uh, a recent advertisement for V Australia, which is a, a Richard Branson airline, of course, um, depicting the stereotype, stereotype by featuring half a dozen very attractive female attendants going about their duties while posing rather provocatively throughout the cabin. At the end of the ad, the uh, end line comes from Richard Branson himself, just wait until we get it up. That's uh, Richard Branson saying it. Yeah, that's just tacky. It really is. Well, it, 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 yeah, t- tacky is one thing, and, th- and that, that might get attention. But the fact is, it's, it's just so different to what we all know we get on the aeroplane, which is yes. some <laughs> surly person. Uh, <laughs> coffee or tea? Coffee or tea? Yeah. Tea, coffee, Beef tea. or chicken? Yeah. 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 And, and then you spend the next ten minutes trying to work out which one you've got. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's all you can do to get a smile out of mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. It, it just doesn't make sense. It's like it's like the ad for one of the banks. I cannot genuinely cannot remember which one it is, uh, where they're advertising no. to people even older than you or me. Banks aren't sexy. Like, they oh, will no. never be sexy. No, no, no. They, they, they're not doing sex. But they're saying it's just like popping around the corner for a cup of tea with a friend. They're advertising to retired folk, like you know, like your mum and my and, and my parents. And I'm sorry. But there is no experience with a bank, which is like having a cup of tea with a friend, because you're going to the bank. I mean, these people need to understand what business they're in. <laughs> Banks are in the business of banking. Airlines are in the business of transporting you from point A to point B and not softcore porn. Although... Speaking of porn... Yes. <laughs> this is the, the sex episode of... Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, there was a report recently um, about 3D TV. Now, have you seen any, any films at the cinema in 3D recently? Uh, no, I haven't. No, 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 I no. saw, what did I see uh, last week? Alice in Wonderland in 3D. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, I haven't yet seen Avatar, but I do want to go and see that. Mm-hmm. 3D is the new big thing in cinemas. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? <laughs> I, I believe mm-hmm. it's, it's, here's the, the movie production um, studios. It's their way of beating piracy by providing a complete immersive experience, doing something that you can't replicate at home. Okay, so people who, instead of going to the cinema, they're just downloading the movie illegally or yeah. copying it from their mm-hmm. friends or whatever uh, and watching it at home. The 3D is a way of adding value, adding the, the visit to the cinema, hence attracting more customers. 
which I think is quite a clever approach. It, it, it is clever. It's also interesting that the, uh, the technological advance, uh, again, yeah. is being driven by pornography. It and, is. And, and, and at, at the risk of, <laughs> sort of lodging this podcast firmly in the gutter, uh, it, it is undoubtedly true that technological advance is the first commercialization of the internet. Was, porn industry yeah. was by the porn industry hmm. for obvious reasons. Hmm. I mean, you, you look at the you know, <laughs> look at the demographics of who was first online. It was uh, youngish males. Um, look at uh, and look at where computers are. I mean, it's you sit by yourself there, yep. so so it's a it's a reasonably private way of accessing uh, the sort of photographs that you're interested in. Much more private than going out to the petrol station. Exactly, and, the and this is where the porn studios are um, are leading the push into 3D TV at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, I mean, what's happening at home on our, our TVs, the small screens, mm-hmm. is only a short step behind what happens in the cinema. So all yeah. these films that are being created for 3D yeah. are now uh, moving into homes. So so there is a whole range of of 3D TVs now available. Mm. Um, very expensive, though. I, I was reading an article that said that just the, the 3D glasses alone for home cost about $150 per pair. Why? So you're up for about 600 Because they're not just the, the blue and red lenses anymore. Yeah. They're, they're polarised, and some of them are electronic lenses that, that flicker or something to get the get the image a very expensive idea but at mm. the but the porn studios are leading this uh, push into 3d tv there's a number of them already producing uh porn films in 3d well, it's a logical thing to do isn't uh, it uh, i guess so i'm just just i'm just thinking of the the 3d films that i've seen alice in wonderland the very innocent alice in wonderland mm-hmm. um i get annoyed with the 3d films when they intentionally use the 3d effect there's the hey look the, the ball that comes flying out of the yeah. screen and bashes you on the forehead and yeah. the and yeah. the broomstick which goes swinging around yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking of the uh the porn 3d equivalent <laughs> well let, let, let's not let's um I mean, it, uh, I'll leave you chortling and sniggering then. I'm just, just thinking that, I mean, uh, 3D would be superb on something like Harry Potter or Where the Wild Things Are. I haven't seen that yet, but no, yes. no, neither have I. But wouldn't it be terrific? I mean, just, you know, just knowing the story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where, that, where, that's, um, where the wild things are is the fully animated um, yeah. story by who? who, who? Uh, Maurice Sendak. Okay. Maurice Sendak. Yeah. With, with um, a largely Melbourne cast. Oh, is it? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Uh, no. I'll definitely have to go and see. Is that in 3D? No, but it should be. It should, well, yeah. Particularly if it's computer animated. It's a lot easier, yeah. I believe, to, to yeah. do the 3D if it's, mm. if it's computer animated. Yeah. Hence Avatar and so on. Mm. So once again, there's the porn industry um, forging ahead with their, um, their innovation. Um, and it will become mainstream, I'm sure, very, very soon. So yeah. stay tuned for 3D at home. Yeah, and that's a, market, that's a market-driven innovation, isn't mm. it? Yeah. As opposed to perhaps a product-driven innovation. Um, well, actually... Like the one we were talking about last week. Last week, that's yeah. right. There's the... Um, now, listeners will remember last week Colin brought in the little green hose attachment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the pressure-reducing, flow-reducing nozzle for, for your tap. Mm-hmm. Uh, to so that you use less water when you're hosing your garden. Okay. That's right. Now, we've had some feedback from a listener. Adam, thank you so much for this, Adam. Um, Adam actually thinks that it's a good idea. Now, remember I said that I can't believe anyone would use this and it's mm. the most ridiculous idea ever. Yeah. Adam's comment is that I think if even half of people use them, chances are we'll save water. I also think people will not notice the pressure difference and hence they're going to use less water, which renders it as an effective campaign. So Adam's actually all for this idea. 
Now, he, he goes mm -hmm. on to yeah. give an analogy. Now, mm -hmm. his logic here is maybe a little warped. Let's just see what he says. An analogy I'd like to use would be low-fat foods. If I eat a low-fat Mars bar, I don't eat twice the amount to make up for the lower fat content. It's an alternative to aid curbing overall consumption. I think the water nozzle attachment will work in a similar way. Okay, Adam. <laughs> uh, well, that's... I mean, yeah, certainly, yeah, if... if you eat a low-fat Mars bar, and frankly, why bother? Yeah. Kind of Mars bar it isn't. But then, yeah, if, if you can bear a low-fat Mars bar, then yes, you, you almost certainly wouldn't eat. No, wouldn't eat to. You eat a Mars bar, don't you? Yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, but so that's if, if you like the unit of measurement is you know a Mars bar. Uh, when you're watering your garden, you're not watering for a certain length of time, though. No, and, and I think Adam assumes that that's happening. We made that yeah. point last, uh, yeah. last podcast. I mean, if, if you're going to water just for 10 minutes, mm. or for the two hours that the government allows you to, or whatever it is, then, yeah, then yes, Adam's right. I suspect, though, that what people do, and you have to be careful here, because what I'm actually meaning is what I do, is I water until the bits I'm watering get soggy. And that's, you know, until they get wet enough. And I think Adam's logic is that you're not smart enough to know when things are uh, wet enough. You'll be out there for probably the same period of time, but putting a little less water on each plant. I think that's what Adam is suggesting. Yeah, so, if, I mean, it may be, yeah, because the water sits on the surface and can't soak in at the rate at which a hose can spray it. So, mm. yeah, but perhaps he is right. I, well... I don't know. We, we might ask the Save Water people if we can get hold of them. Um, yeah, well, we do have some contacts in there, don't we? But I, I really... Save, save Water is entirely staffed by Monash graduates, Monash marketing graduates. That's do you right. know that? Yes, yeah. yes. But look, I, I, I can't believe customers wanting to curb their consumption. I can't believe customers wanting to restrict the flow of water. Oh yeah, you, you, well, to, to to restrict the, uh, the in flow the shower of water. you can. I, I've, oh, yeah. I've got yeah. a I've, I've yeah. put in a water saving shower yeah. head because yeah. my body gets washed just as as well yeah. with that one as, yeah. as the old one. But yeah. watering the garden is different. You, yeah, because you, you had too much. Where, yeah, that's because, right. Because you shower by time, exactly. not by amount of water. Yes. When you're dumping water on your garden, that's very different. It's a quantity of water, I think. I yeah. think. But we, we, we'll we'll ask the say water people. We we haven't yet had anyone write to us or uh, or call us to say they're actually using one of those nozzles, and that that will be the test. If anyone is actually using one, please let us know. Yep. I can't believe that's going okay, to happen. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that instead yeah. of the say water people. Yeah. Um, now, Colin, you um, came across a, an interesting little ad for a, an old product, a product that's been around oh, for a very yes. long time. Talking about saving water, Old Spice. Old Spice saving water? Yeah, it'd be... Oh, spraying Old Spice instead of showering. I know, well, <laughs> possibly, yeah. yeah but old, old Spice used to be advertised way back in the 70s and 80s. I think my father used to use it back in the 70s. Uh, old Spice is the, yeah, it's the aftershave that your dad used, or your grandpa, or it's, And it's a very old-fashioned, daggy-looking... It, it's, um, it's an old man smell. Yeah. And it's and the packaging, it's, it's sort of a very old-looking, sort of, almost a porcelain bottle with sailing ships or boats yeah, on it? sailing ships, exactly. That's why I thought of water yeah it was a very nice ah, sailing ship sometimes those connections are very difficult to make there Colin oh yeah well there you go well, it's, it's floating on water you see yeah interesting repositioning though of, of old mm -hmm. spice um Colin can you describe the the, the ads I mean the, the first one back in 1985 I was looking at an ad and mm -hmm. um and old spice it was it was a mum and her daughter talking about how lovely smelly and and smelly their dad is 
and sort of a very traditional family sort of environment and white picket fence sort of thing. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. So Whereas the the new ads, the new positioning of Old Spice is um, this tough looking, um, dark skinned dude talking about how very um, good looking. I'm told yeah. very good looking, yeah. saying, uh, "Look at your man now. Look at me. Look at your man. Look at me. Don't you wish he was me?" Yeah. Um, very different style. Suddenly, Old was, Spice. They're trying to make and it, and it cool. It's funny. It's funny. Very yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. The, I mean, I cannot picture Old Spice being cool and current and today. It's a really interesting repositioning, uh, and and a, f a fairly fairly major one too. Mm. Um, I, I think the, these sort of market repositions are quite fascinating. You look at Volvo, who are trying reasonably unsuccessfully to do it. Yep. You look at Jägermeister. Yes. Um, which is trying quite successfully to do it. Having, they've they've having done very well. For yeah. Is it, is it yeah. sustainable, though, we'll see? Is it well, or a fad? Well, it, I mean, it, it certainly, its sales have certainly picked up. Uh, you know the Jägermeister story? Yes, yeah, we, we did actually speak about oh, that yeah, a, a few episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, so, we did yeah. too, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so be, be interesting. What happens with that. But put put the links up on because they, I will. Like, yeah, we, we, uh, I'll put the links no, to the two no ads there. Describing people it, people can have a look yeah. at the two and uh, and have a look at that massive change in direction. Um, mm. I'm still struggling to to believe that they're going to be able to shake that old perception that people have, and uh, it's it's still going to be an old man smelly smelly stuff. Well, it will be to you and me, but who knows? I don't know. Any young young listeners out there that are, are using Old Spice? Young Spice? Or, uh, or tempted to use Old Spice, let us know. Mm. Um, will it ever become cool or current or relevant to you? Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear. Um, now, Colin, interesting, um, interesting issue that uh, has arisen in the, uh, the news over the last week. Kimberly Clark, their Kotex brand. This is fascinating. A brilliant bit of international marketing here. <laughs> Um, there's a... Oh God, but here we go, we're back in the gutter again. Well, we're not actually That's in the gutter. That's not in the no, gutter. No, no, this isn't in the gutter at all. It's, it's an interesting, um, mm -hmm. in, really interesting story yeah. here about the um, use of certain words, the political correctness of, of certain words used in advertising. Mm -hmm. um, now, what's the story, Colin? Well, the, uh, the, these people, um, they make tampons feminine hygiene products or sanitary products or something. For some reason there's, there's been difficulty in many markets um, in actually referring to these things um, for what they are. Um, uh, in the US market in particular. Yes, and, um, and, and it's a particularly American issue. Mm. Uh, so, now, you, yeah. So, but basically, they were trying to run an advertising campaign for their their Kotex uh, tampons, and they mm -hmm. wanted to use the word vagina in the campaign. Right. It's a per perfectly reasonable word. Of course, it's in the. Uh, uh, I'm lo looking here. I have in front of me the concise, the, the concise Oxford, Oxford dictionary, dictionary uh, as as issued to school kids in this country for generations. And there you are. They, it, it's got vagina there uh, defined as a noun. It's not saying it's vulgar, or um, uh, or, or obscene or anything like that because it isn't. It's a it, it's an the proper, normal, scientific, medical term. Of course. And the US television networks mm -hmm. actually banned the ad. They refused to show the ad because they used that word in it. That's extraordinary, isn't it? It is, isn't it? So they had to really uh, change the whole wording of the ad, change the structure. Now, it's actually a, a quite an amusing ad to me. I, I laughed when I saw the the, uh, the final ad. Once again, I'll put a link to that ad on our um, on our show notes. It is, but, I mean, from my, my point of view, I, mean, I, I just think it's so interesting that, uh, I mean, in, in America, they, um, you know, you, <laughs> you can't mention 
the word vagina, mm-hmm. but you can, in prime time network ads, talk about erectile dysfunction uh, with ads for Viagra. Yes. And, and, and similar Cialis, you know, the, the ones we get these. Uh, the, yep. the, 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 the emails all the spam, yep. yep. So, you're allowed to say that. Frankly, you're allowed to, um, uh, you're allowed to sell, advertise guns, ammunition, things that kill people. Yep. Whereas using the scientific name for mm. well, ba- basically the um, yeah, one of the origins of human life yeah, and the organs necessary for the uh, uh, human life, you're not allowed to use that word. It's it's really strange, isn't it? Mm. Well, the advertising agency have, have come out and uh, been very vocal about this issue. Uh, mm-hmm. Mary Harris, who's the global business director for mm-hmm. JWT, the mm-hmm. uh, the advertising agency that has this account. Um, is very annoyed that uh, that there is this censorship occurring of advertising. Um, mm. And her comments, I mean, really, we need to get over the, the euphemisms and everything. Tampon is not a dirty word and neither is vagina, so why not use them in their advertising? Well, yes, it's... it's I mean, it, is this because the networks are run by old men who have who are embarrassed by such things? Potentially. Um, or is it the, the rabid political correctness in the United States? It's not political correctness. It's something else. It's something else. Well, it's, it's not politically. Is incorrect. it driven by the viewers, the consumers, or is it driven by someone else? Is it driven by the the, uh, the television networks? Are they scared of offending their customers? Well, they, I mean, I, I've done a bit of research work with a guy in America and with uh, Irene, our uh, um, director of teaching here. Yep. Uh, on wh- uh, how people make decisions about which ads to accept and uh, and, and which not. Yep. And. It's actually really interesting because the you know, you've got written guidelines and of course you've got the law as well. Yes. Um, but in fact, it just comes down to the personal taste of the guy accepting it. Yeah. And perhaps actually there, I mean, I said. So it's hardly I, scientific I said, or yeah. regulated. Or, mm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Well, it's an interesting issue. I'll, I'll put a link to the uh, the watered down ad mm-hmm. uh, with with uh, I guess all of the euphemisms in it instead and I think it may I mean personally I think it makes it worse having all these euphemisms well yeah I mean and if you look at I mean there's one very well known ad for such for feminine hygiene products <laughs> um, where of course it is, it's well known because you pour a blue liquid onto it yes and in fact the ad has actually got that uh, um, that yeah. reference in it there's yeah. the euphemism and yeah. she says oh thank god they yeah. pour the blue liquid on the thing because now it all makes sense to me yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's certainly worth a look and we'd, we'd love to hear what people think about uh, this uh, this nice new twist on on a, a category that has been advertised for years and years using euphemisms uh, y- using euphemisms and again so a word that is presumably acceptable uh, here in Australia I mean, I guess we'll hear from people if it's not um, but uh, not acceptable in mainstream US television networks mm. it's actually really interesting yeah, in the UK they're more um, liberal with this sort of thing uh, uh, you, you can say pretty well what you like in uh, in the UK which is interesting because of course in America they've got the Fifth Amendment which is the right to freedom of speech exactly yeah. the, the Brits don't have that right enshrined in and in, in, in Anything constitutional, they just exercise it. Amazing cultural differences, aren't yeah, they? It, yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Now, Cole, you've had some um, some more feedback from a listener. <coughs> I have indeed, and thank you to Greg from Greg from Brunswick for uh, uh, for this. Thank you, Greg. Um, yeah, it's it's about Mikey. 
Um, Mikey. Mikey. So the podcast <laughs> wouldn't be complete without a mention of the woes of Melbourne's public transport system, but this is an absolute ripper. This is the sort of thing that gives marketers a bad name. Uh, <laughs> I must say it's been a long time since we've ripped into the public transport system or Mikey or anything along those lines. Mikey, of course, is the Melbourne's new um, contactless electronic ticketing system, which just yeah. hasn't worked. It's years uh, years beyond its uh, its launch date and about it's 20 it's about millions tw of dollars 20 over times over the original budget i think yeah it's uh, it's, a, it's, it's a joke it's, it's a system just like the um, the octopus card in hong kong which has been working uh, working perfectly well for decades yeah uh, and the oyster card in london uh, which is a much bigger much more complex system and again that's been working very well for yes. for, for many years yeah. anyway Actually, so, before you go into this, did you see the Hawthorne Football Club ad recently? That's an app, that's I'll a ripper. Let put me, that one up. I'll put a link to link to that on yeah. as well because yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um it's it's basically um showing someone trying to use their Mikey card to get through a gate and a mm -hmm. railway station. Mm -hmm buzzing, buzzing, it's just not working, not working, and then they try their Hawthorne Football Club membership card, put it up against the gate, the gate opens and the tagline is, get the card that always works, Hawthorne membership. Which is really funny because... Oh, and Oyster, yeah. if you're listening, Oyster, yeah. the oh, yeah. biggest Hawthorne fan listener, yeah. you'll love that one, I'm sure you've seen it. <laughs> they even named a card after him in London. Um, the, oh, yeah, but also interesting, of course, because one of the leading lights of the Hawthorne Football Club oh. is... A, is is a he the president still? I, I believe so, yes, Jeff Kennett, the former Premier of this state, who I think had quite a bit to do with... Did, did he have a, did something to do with making the decision to introduce this? I don't know whether it was Chinese, his yeah. government or the next one, but basically, yeah, because yeah, we've currently got the Labor government in power. Yeah. He was the uh, the Liberal Premier, so yeah. it's a bit of a backhanded swipe at the Labor government. Yeah, I mean, it's ten years since he left office, didn't it? So I think that it, day, yeah. Mikey was meant to be implemented around about then, wasn't it? Well, I, I, th I, think, I think it may have been his decision <laughs> to uh, to bring it in. That, that's how long we've been waiting for the blessed thing. So, sorry, anyway. back to our feedback. Yeah, so one, one of the many things things that annoys people about Mikey uh, is that you know, they're, they're promoting and promoting and promoting it even though the bloody thing doesn't work. Mm. Anyway, Greg from, um, uh, Greg from Brunswick tells me uh, his local railway station is Brunswick. It's a whole bunch of those Perspex notice boards, five, you know, five or six of them, near A1 size, you know the sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, all the, and, yeah, the, the other day he was down there, just a couple of weeks ago, um, and uh, all the material that was on the notice board has been taken away. Signs have been put up saying, Mikey is coming, Mikey is here, this is how to use your Mikey card, and so on. Now, one of the things that they took off the boards to replace with the Mikey advertising was... Other ads? No, yeah, no, even better, the train timetable. Oh, the timetable! <laughs> And she took the blessed so timetable time off and been to tell you that this useless, non-functioning ticket system was coming. Well, maybe that's so people don't realise their train's running late anymore because they've got nothing to compare it against. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> uh, uh, and as, uh, as Greg quite rightly says... Um, <laughs> Uh, that uh, yeah, that, that tiny little instance actually is a really good example of the broader issues that are plaguing those group of services. <laughs> now, as it happens, Greg from uh, Greg from Brunswick has got the ability to um, uh, to publish this in a wider forum, possibly even than uh, than this podcast, because he's actually an MP. He, he's a, he's a, which party? He, state. I mean, he's, he's a Greens member of Parliament, which, oh, is, okay, which right. is why he knows railway stations, presumably, because yes. he uses them a lot. Yes. Now, I actually. Work 
worked with him years ago when he was um, the activities person at Bicycle Victoria. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. his, uh, oh, hence yeah. his, his yeah. green connections there. Yeah. 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 Well, it, I mean, it's I love sense. It. Well, it, thank it, you, Greg. I love that uh, that little story. Yeah, it's that, a nice that, twist. That's marvellous, Greg. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> you know, the more people you get on bikes and onto trains, the less road congestion there is. So um, it's yeah. got, got to be a good thing. But putting up stupid posters saying that Mikey is here instead of the timetable allowing you to actually use the system. Oh, I just he's, get, he's quite right. He's look, quite I, right. I catch the train a lot. I get so frustrated standing behind someone trying to open the gate with their Mikey card and it just doesn't work. It's it's a real problem. You see very frustrated passengers there trying to use the Mikey card. <laughs> it has serious problems. <laughs> Which connects through to our final story for today. Mm -hmm. Now, I love this one and this is directly relevant to marketing. You're going to love the connection here, Colin. Mm -hmm. Um, avid readers of The Age newspaper may have noticed last week a, a report in The Age, um, which uh, I think the, the title of the report was Ticket Inspectors Rated as Less Than Fair, F-A-R-E. Nice uh -huh. pun yeah. there. Mm -hmm. <coughs> now, uh, basically what The Age was able to do under the Freedom of, Freedom of Information legislation, they obtained a copy of a plan. Uh, it's called the Revenue Protection Plan. Um, it's put out by MetLink once a year. And this is the 2010 Network Revenue Protection Plan. Revenue um, protection. Revenue right. protection. I yeah. think it's yeah, all about uh, how they can maximise their income. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but a large part of this revenue protection plan is all about fare evasion and, uh, and how they can reduce the incidence of passengers not paying for their fares. Mm -hmm. um, and the article, I'll, I'll link to the article on the show notes, uh, because that from within that article they link to the entire document, which mm -hmm. I, uh, I download and have a good had a good read of this this document the network revenue protection plan edition 7 2010 from metlink victoria released under the freedom of information act department of transport mm -hmm. now what i loved about this it goes through all the reasons why people are, are fair evading and so on mm -hmm. not that uh, that you or i would ever do that colin no, no of course not of course not fine no. fine upstanding citizens indeed yeah but it's a great little segmentation study now, in marketing, really? we, yeah. we talk about the need for segmentation, yep. dividing the market down into smaller groups of customers, yep. each with their own unique characteristics. Yep. Okay. Heterogeneous without, homogeneous within. That's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, here are four segments of fair evaders. This All is right. Really yeah. nice. Now, the four are the inadvertent fair evader, the opportunistic one-off fair evader, the opportunistic learnt behaviour fair evader, and the game players. Really nice little segmentation study here. Right. Now think about this. If you've ever evaded fares, public transport fares, do you fit into one of these categories? The inadvertent. This is where a person is unaware they've they've breached the ticketing regulations. Okay, so... Um, I've done that. Very easy to do. Not okay. understanding the system. Yeah, exactly. Look, well, you know, you, you, explain, buying, explain buying that. The, I, uh, yeah, I'll interrupt <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> buying the wrong ticket type, for example, getting the wrong zone because you don't understand it's where the zone boundaries are, all those sorts of things. It's not as complicated as that. I can read a map. <laughs> yeah, if, if there was a map there above the ticketing machine. Yeah, if they hadn't been replaced with some idiot ad for, for Mikey Mikey yeah. Mouse thing. Okay, so they recognise here is one segment, and they're... Yes, but they still don't... Oh, they still <laughs> don't get it. These people are engineers who should not be let out alone. <laughs> I mean, they should be kept on a very tight lead by marketers who understand human beings. Oh, they've got a strategy. They've got a strategy oh, for this. Oh, okay. Well, strategy let, let, to target let's hear the strategy. I bet it's stupid. Let's hear their strategy. Okay, here's their focus. The strategy is to improve customer information and education and increase awareness. 
So they recognise they need to educate their customers. And how are they going to do that? <laughs> yes, I wonder. And they, the, the report goes in a little bit of detail, but they really haven't gone into enough depth to, to say, OK, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the customer and find out why these inadvertent fare evaders don't understand the system. <laughs> well, Colin's because looking very frustrated. they don't... <laughs> they don't actually tell you how the system works. Okay. You go, no, no, no. <laughs> you go to a train station, you buy a ticket. I've done that. Yes. And then there's an announcement. There's announcements all, all the time. Saying right? what? Saying, yeah, the, the next train's delayed, the next train's actually coming on time, woo, 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 and everything. Then remember to validate your MET card before you travel. Mm -hmm. It actually says that. Yes. Nowhere, but absolutely nowhere, does it. Is there any information telling you what you have to do to validate your MetCard? Isn't that just taken for granted? It is by MetLink, obviously. Well, they're the engineers who run the system. If you're using it for the first time, and as I, I did, guess if and you're I, a foreigner that's never used the system before, and when I used the system for the first time after an awfully long time, so, uh, some years ago, it's, uh, I bought it from the machine. I assumed it was valid because I just bought it from a machine with their logos plastered all over it, and you know, waiting sort of fifteen, twenty seconds for the ticket to actually come out. You assume after all the clattering and chunking and so everything. So you assume the ticket you've got is valid. So what does well, the validated actually mean? Yeah. Well, it means you have to put it into another machine. Another machine, yeah. But it doesn't actually say that. It doesn't <laughs> tell you. It's their system and they don't tell you how to use it. It's not a question of remembering. It's a question of being told how to do it. on his high horse oh. Opportunistic one-off segment. Okay, I like this one. This is when a person realises that they got away with not paying due to circumstances. For example, they're on a tram that's too crowded, you can't get to the ticket machine. Mm -hmm. Or, um... Well, there's an argument there for saying if it's too crowded and you can't get to the ticket machine, you shouldn't be paying anyway. Yeah. It's obviously fairly uncomfortable. Or you're at the train station, the barriers are open, and you say, ah, let's make a run for it without having to validate. So mm -hmm. those sorts of opportunistic one-offs. So the, the strategy here, once again, it, it flows mm -hmm. through. What, what are the characteristics of the segment? What are their needs and what's the strategy we're going to put mm -hmm. in place to, to maximise our revenue? And it's decrease opportunity. So make sure that uh, they increase staffing, uh, they deploy staff appropriately, they um, improve the availability of tickets, those sorts of things. So that, that's a, a logical one. Yeah. I like the next one, the opportunistic learnt behaviour segment. This is when a person realises they can get away with it all the time. So they might get on a tram and they'll hover just near the validator. They won't validate their ticket until they see an inspector on the tram. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're intentionally avoiding on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I like that one. And, and their approach there is increased enforcement. Let's find these people and let's hit them hard. They could even put conductors on the trams. That would work, wouldn't yeah. it? There's an old-fashioned approach. And the final one, the game players. Uh, the economic game players. These are the pragmatic, one, uh, pragmatic customers who um, see buying fares and avoiding fares is a rational exercise in gameplay. It's cheaper to get caught occasionally and pay fines than to buy a ticket every day. Mm -hmm. And there's a large number of people that are doing that. Are they? They're happy yeah. to pay fares, uh, to, to avoid the fares mm -hmm. and, and pay the fines. So they've got a very different strategy there. Change what they call the risk equation. In other words, increase the chance of being caught and increase the fine to tilt the equation towards compliance. In other words, they're going to get more heavy-handed with that segment. Gosh, they get even more heavy-handed. <laughs> I tell you, yeah, they, they need to understand people. I mean, they, they do, but, yeah. but look, yeah. I think this is a, a nice little start. They've mm. recognised that there are these different types of fare evaders. They've done a segmentation study and they've built strategies for it. And that's, that's actually good marketing, to, to recognise customers are different, there are different categories of customers there, and a different strategy is necessary for each of them. Mm. That's, that's segmentation. 
and uh, I guess it's taking the, the yeah. traditional segmentation into a, a, a different environment. I, I like it. I, I like it, what they've it, done. It's, it, it's a nice idea. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, scientifically, mm. make, makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I'd, I'd argue with the way they've interpreted oh. it because, and the end result is going to be decreased customer service levels because they're going to be more heavy-handed. Oh, they're so going to they, be fining they, people. They're yeah, going to be they, probably they, 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 getting them to headlocks and bashing them like they have in the past and other things. And, and it's presumed been written by people who have an interest in employing more revenue protection officers rather than customer service people. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. 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 So it's an interesting approach. Let's uh, let's see how that uh, eventuates in terms of uh, what they're actually doing over the next 12 months to, hmm. to increase the revenue. And we'll see if we can get a, a copy of uh, next year's report to see how, how successful hmm. they've been. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so it's been an interesting, uh, interesting podcast this week, Cole. Uh, in, in, interesting indeed, yeah. And we're, we're actually talking more and more about service type issues too. So um, let's let's get a services expert in next time. Eh? Well, yeah, we're, because we've uh, um, recently acquired, appointed a uh, new uh, associate professor in services marketing, uh, Tracy Dagger. Yes. Hi, uh, Tracy. I'm sure you're listening. I know she does listen to the podcast. Uh, well, in, in, indeed, indeed. When she can put her money her mouth where her ears are, I guess. And we'll let's see if we can get her on next, next week. Time. I, I yeah, have good. spoken to her. I know she's. Um, she's busy this week and, and excellent so Tracy you're, you're on the podcast next week looking forward to hearing from you and, uh, and, we, and we've got a few services type issues to um, uh, to raise with her things like um, Apple oh Apple oh you had a good experience with that yeah let's save that for our next podcast Carl. Apple Amazon anything else beginning with A yeah. I'm sure they'll Australia Post there you go. There's another one with oh, yes. on the list there as okay, well. So, so the, the, the three Amazon, things. Apple, and Australia Post are on the agenda for next time. Just uh, for starters. Yeah. Great. Look forward to uh, having everyone back. And to take us out, music track of the week. This one's from starts with A. Adrena Thorpe. Uh, this is from the Mevio Music Alley. Check it out online. Music.mevio.com. Adrena's song for us to take us out this week is "Everything Changes." See you, Cole. I See you, Wags. Never even told you my name. We were always playing.
Join our conversation by calling plus 61 or by emailing podcast at monishmarketing.com. This podcast is protected under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. You are welcome to share and remix this podcast for non-commercial purposes.